helping disciple makers ignite a movement locally and globally. This is the Disciple First Podcast. Now, here's your host, Craig Etheridge. Well, welcome back to the Disciple First Podcast. I'm Craig Etheridge, your host, and this is a podcast by Disciple Makers and for Disciple Makers. And today I'm here with my good friend Bill Hull. Uh, Bill is a writer and discipleship expert as well as founder of TNET International, a ministry devoted to transforming churches into disciple-making churches. He has spent more than 25 years as a pastor and is an author of several books, including Jesus Christ Disciple Maker, The Disciple-Making Pastor, Disciple-Making Church, and Choose the Life, uh, Bill and his wife Jane live in Long Beach, California. And uh, Bill, thank you so much for uh, joining in on the podcast today. Well, thank you, Craig. It's great to be with you. Yeah, I've been really looking forward to this. Bill and I have known each other for several years, and he's been a part of the uh, Flashpoint conferences. And uh, Bill, I know you have a real passion for uh, disciple making. Uh, where did that come from? Well, there's an obvious answer. Uh, I started reading the Bible, and it just seemed to make sense to me. I, I remember when I was first a Christian, I was reading the New Testament, and it seemed like without a lot of coaching, I reached a conclusion that what Jesus wanted from us was that we would follow him or be his disciples, his learners, his apprentices, and that we would then make others like us. And that was both a great promise, it had great clarity to it, but also it was kind of frightening that the idea that they would be something like us, but but essentially that they would ultimately be following Jesus and become Christ-like. So I think that's where it came from. I just didn't grow up with a lot of the accoutrement of church, and so I wasn't trying to interpret the Bible through that context of local church life, I was just simply reading it as a new Christian, as a student. And uh, there are not all the advantages are not of that, but there are some advantages to that, and that is that there is sometimes a simplicity and a clarity that comes to you that maybe wouldn't come to you if you had a lot of help reading it. Right, absolutely. Well, uh, you know, with that in mind, I want us to, we're going to talk a lot about being a disciple-making pastor, what is that like? Um, what does that mean? But before we get into that, uh, Bill, could you just help us with a simple definition of what a disciple is? Because I, I find that a lot of pastors and leaders, even disciple-making champions, can't always agree on a definition. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, I think a disciple is someone who fundamentally has made a decision to follow Christ and learn from him and that he will be involved in all that God is involved in on this earth and he will obediently without question follow Jesus. I think that's basically it. Uh, The way that I understand it in some of the teaching I do is that the disciple is a person who has certain characteristics, a person who communicates with Christ through the word and prayer, a person who is fruitful, a person who is joyful, a person who responds to God in obedience, and a person who loves as Jesus loved. And I essentially get that from John 15, verses 7 through 13. 
And that's the definition I've been using many, many years. And the reason I do it that way is because, for example, if you were manufacturing shoes and someone questioned you about what kind of shoes you make and then you'd go down the manufacturing floor of where your shoes are being made and you'd want to have some specifications. You'd want to know what a shoe looked like, what model you were making and all those kinds of things. And so oftentimes the lack of clarity leads to confusion and then everybody just seems to have their own version of what it is a disciple is. But I think some clarity is essential. Yeah, absolutely. And so based on that definition, then I guess the church is to produce that, right? I mean, that's the idea. Yes. Uh, and so why is it that that churches um, don't have an intentional plan for that? I mean, so many churches that I talk to, you know, they, they're they're running their, their ministries, but don't really seem to be thinking about this is what I should produce. And you've been a pastor. I mean, you've been in the trenches for many years. How do you explain that? <laughs> I explain it in the sense that we're easily distracted. I remember talking one time with Dallas Willard, and we were having this discussion, debate actually, about what was the number one reason that churches didn't make disciples. And my view is that if you Jesus couldn't have been any more clear about what he wanted us to do, make disciples, and he didn't say start churches or universities or parachurch organizations. Uh, essentially, he said make disciples, and it would be the fountainhead of everything that was come out of that. So the, I think that the reason that, uh, and so my my view was that Satan was against it. So you get the most resistance at the heart of what Christ wants you to do, then at the heart of what Satan wants you to do is the exact opposite. So if he could just get us to be distracted into church work, into many good things, but not doing the thing, the one thing that we're supposed to do is teaching people to obey everything that Christ commanded. So my view was that Satan was against it. Dallas's view was that the number one problem is distraction. And what I run into is so much, Craig, is this. You can't really find a person who believes in the Bible who says no, uh, who's, who would argue against making disciples. I mean, everybody agrees we should make disciples, but it lacks clarity and uh, it lacks definition. And frankly, it's because we're distracted by all the activities and requirements of running an organization. And there's another reason, and that is, that so few of us have been taught properly about what making disciples really is in any with any specificity. And because there's confusion, because there's a lack of clarity, because there's distraction, that you just sort of never get around to it. You know, I, I talked to a pastor just this week, and he's he's committed to making disciples but he said, you know, I, I, I find that I get distracted a lot of the time because I'm tr I start off going that way, and then all the demands of the organization just simply um, take take over. And uh, that's exactly what you're saying. Yeah, the, you know, one of the things that I've come to believe, if you don't have a plan, you don't intend to do it. 
And so we, we found that so many people have asked me over the years, how do you find time to write books and be a pastor? And my answer has always been so simple that it's embarrassing and people look at me kind of strangely. But my answer has been, I schedule it. And I think that oftentimes we just don't, it doesn't get into our, we don't have a plan, so we don't really intend to do it, and we don't have it in our calendar, therefore there's no space or place or time to do it. And that's essentially where where it all starts, is is it in your bloodstream? Are you a discipleship first person? Mm-hmm. Well, that's, uh, that's why this podcast is called Disciple First, is because we're trying to raise up uh, people just like that, leaders that are disciple first in their mindset. So, so um, Bill, let's talk about the role of pastor in leading a church to be a disciple-making church. I know that, that the pastor is the one that sets the pace and would set the plan uh, there. So uh, what, what does a disciple-making pastor do differently from uh, just a, a successful pastor? Well, the first thing about being a pastor, I believe, is that uh, the number one uh, job of a pastor is to be a good example. And I don't think I'd have answered it that way when I was younger, because I would have put it in terms of a task. But essentially, if you first of all have to have the kind of life that you're willing to invite people into, and that you have the kind of life that you'd like to share and open to others because all really important ministry, I think, is autobiographical. Mm-hmm. So that's where I would begin. Is it in my bloodstream? Is Am I a disciple? If I were not a pastor, if I didn't have a religious job, would I be reaching out to people? Would I be reproducing? Would I be intentional? Would I be there? Uh, I would, would I be a faithful follower of Christ and, and be a part of his mission? So that's the first question for a disciple-making pastor, is it in your DNA? Is it in your bloodstream? And that's where I would start. That's what makes it different. What you think, what you believe, what really stirs up in your soul, what's in your blood. I think that's the first thing. Second thing is if you've got that, then you're going to figure it out. And I would say you you take, I think the most important thing if you're a lead pastor and you have the bully pulpit, is that that needs to come out in your preaching, in what you say. You just can't keep it inside. You talk about it. You you sort of start a revolution without announcing the revolution. And you do that through the power of the spoken word, through the power of the word of God, that you build a theology, essentially, of uh, discipleship as you teach people. I think that's, as a lead pastor, I think that's first. I think secondly is uh, what you do with your leaders, that the intentionality of working with your leaders. And then finally, coming up with a system, so to speak, even though people don't like this word so much, but essentially you have to have a plan or a system or a means by which you're going to execute your plan because you have a stewardship responsibility in the flock of God but it doesn't have to be a big splash kind of program. It could be something that takes you know, place over a period of years. That's really the best way. So those are some of the, just to start the conversation, some of the basics. 
Yeah. What What are some of the sticking points though, with pastors? You mentioned distraction. Uh, I, I know some guys, they have it in their blood. They really want to do it, kind of back to my friend I just talked about. And he says, you know, I get started and then I get distracted. What advice would you give him? Because there's probably people listening to this podcast going, yeah, I want it in my blood and I want to do this, but I just never seem to get it off the ground. Well, sometimes the problem is that we want to have, we want to go straight to a successful program. And you might remember what Jesus did. And everybody knows this, but sometimes hearing it in this context helps. Jesus spent the first 30 years of his life in a backwater, a little village called Nazareth. And he didn't do anything that normally we consider important. But he was growing up and he was maturing and he was being faithful and his character was being developed. And I think life itself does that. And even the problems we have in church, the difficulties, the troublemaking people, the the selfishness, the, the, the infighting, the, the uh, excess of uh, bad behavior, and all the things that go on that drain us, all of that is part of our formation in Christ. All of that is just the kind of the normal living with people and being a part of a group of people. But I think that Jesus didn't fall for the temptation you know, before Satan, which was to, you can have it all now. And what he did was he started small, but he thought big. And he started with a small group of people. Now, he still spoke to the masses. He still did preaching, just like as a pastor, you have a congregation you preach to on Sundays. You have weddings and funerals, and you do all these other things. And they are part of the whole palette that you have to work from. But essentially, what you're doing is you are working with a small group of people that you want that are fourth soil kind of people that in the parable of the sower they're the ones you're going to get the 30 the 60 the 100% fold increase those are the people you want to invest in you invest in them over a period of years and then it just kind of naturally grows and develops for you mm-hmm. and i think that's where the mistake is is that we try to we we start we want to have we want to jump from point A to point F or something like that. We you know we want to go jump up over we want to skip grades, we want to skip letters in the alphabet, we want to skip numbers. We want to get there faster so that we'll feel better about ourselves. And I don't think that that essentially is a good plan. Yeah, I know a lot of pastors that will leave a conference, a flashpoint conference or something else, and, and uh, they'll say, man, I'm going to go and I'm going to preach a series on disciple-making. We're going to start this. <laughs> and I'm like, man, that is, that's probably not the best thing to do right now. Maybe the best thing to do is just find two people that you can pour your life into. Yeah, because, uh, what you're you know, I think I remember one guy said, uh, I remember one pastor told me that there was nobody in this church that was even interested in discipleship or interested in anything like this. And I I said, no one. You couldn't find anyone. He said, no. I said, how about you? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, well, I don't, he, and he wasn't sure. He wasn't <laughs> sure about himself. I said, well, that's where you have to begin, my friend. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, Bill, I know you, you have a passion to help pastors 
become disciple makers and to lead disciple making church. I mean, you've written lots of books. In fact, I um, in a in a in a moment of nostalgia, I pulled out this morning my red copy cover of the disciple making pastor. Oh, you got to yeah. sign this one for me at some time. I'd but, be happy uh, to. That those are those are the old ones. Yeah. Yeah, this is the old one, and, and I thumbed through it. And it's all marked up and uh, highlighted. Almost every page is just covered with marks and and highlights. And uh, and I remember reading this book uh, in my first church I pastored when I was just trying to bang these things out. And uh, I I starred one quote that I thought was interesting here. I'm quoting you. It's on page 91. It says, Tom Landry, the coach of the Dallas Cowboys, defined coaching as making men do what they don't want so they can become what they want to be. What a great quote, and and, and what a great description of disciple-making. Yeah, that was uh, uh, Tom Landry was the great coach of the Dallas Cowboys. I'm sure that probably most of the people listening to this would remember him. But that was I love that quote because it really essentially says you you're calling people out to do things that they feel uncomfortable about. They don't really want to do, but they'll become everything they've ever wanted to be when it does happen and that's part of what leadership is. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember Bud Wilkinson go way back to the great coach at Oklahoma University who I think there was 50 some games they won in a row and they were national champions a couple of times back in the 1950s, and he said that he was uh, the he was ahead of the President's Council on Physical Fitness, and he said that the problem with the, with the church, uh, well, somebody said that Wilkinson's statement defined the problem of the church as you have 22 men on the field who are desperately in need of rest and uh, 60,000 people in the stands desperately in need of exercise. <laughs> so true, right? Exactly. So you got the the faithful few down there, they're languishing. They're all doing two or three things in your church and then there's the big crowd cheering them on or booing them or whatever they happen to be doing and they desperately need the exercise. Yeah, very apt. Absolutely. Well, I know that you have a new project. You've been writing all these books for for years about becoming disciple-making pastors and leading disciple-making churches. But you have a new project called the Bonhoeffer Project, and I'd like for you to give just a few minutes to talk about what that is. Certainly. Uh, well, it's it's named after Diedrich Bonhoeffer uh, in honor of his book, The Cost of Discipleship, which has had a great impact on many, many for, uh, people over the years. And uh, his grand experiment back between 1935 and 40, which was the uh, the Confessing Church Preachers Seminary, where uh, as a result, sometimes what they did there, the book Life Together was written as a description of their life together in that small community. But we essentially take pastors and church leaders, and over one year we meet with them ten times, and we spend uh, in four- and five-hour chunks. We have this online and also in person around the United States. And essentially, we we start with the question, what is the gospel? Because what the gospel is naturally leads to the product that we're putting onto the field, so to speak. So in other words, we're saying, 
that if you have a legalistic gospel, you'll have a legalistic disciple. If you have a prosperity gospel, you have a prosperity disciple. If you have a consumer gospel, you'll have a consumer disciple. But if you want a Christ-like disciple, you're going to have to have a a discipleship gospel, one that includes discipleship, that embraces discipleship. And our basic thesis is that all who are called to salvation are called to discipleship, no exceptions, no excuses. And essentially, we work with pastors and church leaders to clarify what their gospel is, what their gospel is that they're teaching, and then we move in. And those are what we call upstream issues. And then the most discipleship conversations begin at midstream, which is make disciples the command, and then what we do with that, the strategies and the models. But we start upstream above that because we believe that is the determining factor in what kind of disciples we make. And then downstream are essentially the mechanics of making disciples and the planning and the specificity that is needed that we talked about really when the podcast began. So that's the Bonhoeffer Project, and anybody who wants to inquire about it, you can just go on our website, which is uh, thebonhoefferproject.com. Well, I hope that everyone listening in will take advantage of that. Go to thebonhoefferproject.com and uh, find out all the ways you can get involved in being coached and trained to be a disciple and lead a disciple-making church. Thank you, Bill, so much for being with us today and and uh, for your leadership, your your example, uh, your voice uh, in in my life and in so many people's lives, uh, championing us to make disciples. And uh, we wish the best for you. Thank you, Craig. Thank you so much. For more information on events and content, visit DiscipleFirst.com.